This is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Recruiting Daily Podcast. Today we have Maggie on from Treliant, and our discussion today, our topic today, is Mental Health Awareness Month in a post-COVID world. So what I love about this and what I love about what Maggie and I are going to talk about is we probably thought about mental health in a way, pre-COVID, during COVID, and post-COVID. But we're going to focus on the post-COVID stuff, but I want to kind of get her take on kind of the evolution of mental health awareness. So Maggie, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and Trelant? Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Sure. So I have been in human resources 25 years now, really a generalist background. Maggie, at one point, you stopped saying years. You know this, right? <laughs> has, has anybody told you this? They're no. Just... <laughs> Enlighten me. So, Did I say decades? <laughs> you, you, you just, for a long time. At a certain yeah. point. Makes me sign on Yep. It's, it's ageism. At oh, a certain okay. point, you, and it starts to work against you. It's crazy. I don't know what that point is, by the way. It's all, all right. opinion. but I Definitely passed it. <laughs> You've got a lot of wisdom. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. You. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Um, Tell me a little bit more about you. Sure. So I spent most of my career working in healthcare and also dabbling in the software industry, which is essentially what Treliant is. We produce training compliance software for other companies where HR people are our prospective buyer, in many cases, we're branching out to also sell EHS, compliance, training. So I found my way to Treliant two years ago and stepped into the role as their first official human resources professional and really spent a lot of time that first year for sure, hopefully creating a psychologically safe workplace where Employees felt free to bring their whole selves to work, where they felt free and empowered to share their opinions, ask questions, things of that nature. That was really my goal. We've done a lot of work in that area. So teaching people about mental health, so much of this was taboo just a few years ago. Like It it feels like COVID's like dog years, right? So (laughs) it feels like a long time ago, but it really wasn't that long ago where people didn't feel like they could talk about things. That's so true. Yes. I think that's, if you had to look at one silver lining of COVID, I think that it was that we were all experiencing this mental well-being impact together at the same time, going through this journey, being isolated. And one good thing about the media in that case where they were really shining a light on the impact of COVID on mental well-being and really forcing people to take a close look at that and people in particular, meaning employers. Right. If you want to get a great, have a great employee experience, you want to get the most out of employees, you want to retain employees, then you got to entertain the all the things that are going on in their world. And okay. the worry, and, I, and you get to see it front line, so I want to ask you about this. My, my worry while we were going through COVID is, first of all, I love the discussions. I love being able, people would tell, would talk about the things that, were, that they were struggling with, et cetera. So there's a lot of openness. My fear was, is that once COVID was done, whatever that looks like, that we would regress. Yes. And did you, first of all, did, was that legit fear or have you seen any of that in your world? 
I agree that it would regress. And I would also add to that and say, but there's still so much work to be done. I'm really mm-hmm. glad that mental health continues to remain in the spotlight because I think that not every employer has really taken a close look at that and really come to an understanding of what they could do to really support their people, support their employees' mental health. I think because it was taboo and taboo for so long and stigmatized, like COVID helped flip a switch, but that didn't really, there was no real guidance for employers. Okay, now what do we do? And I think some employers are still struggling with that. Yep. I think pre-COVID, it would have been, we have an EAP. Yeah. (laughs) Here's, if you have a problem, go here. Which, okay. and how many people actually took them up on that, which you've managed HR, so you know how that, how EAPs work. Like in a post-COVID world now, what should they be thinking about? So for the, all the HR leaders that are listening, what, how should they be thinking about it either currently, but also the next layer or the next step of mental health for their employees? I would say to EAP, though, I wouldn't just count them out. They can be an incredibly value resource, but I would add that not all EAPs are created equal. Uh, A lot of times employers get a free EAP that kind of comes apart, belongs to some other benefit offering. Let's say they buy short-term disability insurance for their employees, and then that um, insurer will just toss in a free EAP. And I would say, you know what, you get what you pay for. <laughs> so take, if you have an EAP that was like that, maybe it's working for you, but I would encourage you to please take a close look at it. What are the offerings that they have? What are the things that they cover? How are they willing to partner with you? And certainly if you do have an EAP, you really need to consistently message to employees and remind them how to use that EAP, how to access that EAP. We're fortunate we have a great EAP partner and we invite them in to conduct trainings for our employees. We also partner with a woman who's not at all affiliated with our EAP and she comes in and leads a guided meditation once a month for our employees. Yesterday, she did that, and then she also presented on a workshop on managing stress. So I think it's also looking at what other resources are available to you. How do you make them available to, not only available to employees, but package them in such a way that employees will think, oh, okay, I'll check that out. Because if you're saying, oh, it's Mental Health Awareness Month, and we're having this training or whatever the case may be, People's employees still may feel reluctant to attend an event like that. They may feel concerned. Oh, if I show up at this, is my employer going to think that I need help in some way? So I think it's really constantly also searching out resources that are available to your employees and connecting them to those various resources. I love that you talk about it on the benefit side as well. Is it's wayfinding, so it, you gotta you gotta make sure that people know that it's available to them. So there's a hey, we have access to all these things. By the way, here's how you use them because you know that, that old saying: what a benefit isn't a benefit unless people use it. Exactly. So we we want consumption, which is I think sometimes counterintuitive to a lot of the other C-suite folks. 
is we want consumption. Like, yes. No yeah. need. Why have a benefit if people aren't consuming it? And so you got to communicate with employees. And also, you mentioned earlier psychological safety and kind of creating a safe space. It goes hand in hand, right? So you communicate that something is there and it's available to them, and then you give them space. And again, privacy and the things that, that, that would be helpful for them to consume and use the services that you have. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just a real sharing of resources for people. And mental health is still, unfortunately, remains difficult to navigate. If you're having and being impacted by a mental health crisis, either yourself or your family member, it can be difficult to know where to start to care as well. Oh, 100%. And again, like I said, either yourself or a family member. And sometimes you don't even know you're going through it. Like, you know, you, you just kind of, it becomes normal, right? It just becomes Absolutely. like whatever normalized in your life. And you just, that's the way it is. Yes. Yeah. What is, have you seen any relationship with some of the folks that you work with or yourself with ERGs or SIGs or something like that, where we you pull like-minded people together and allow them to discuss and help them have you is there any crossover between ERG SIGs and mental illness absolutely so what we did this past year and we're gonna we've only done it once so far but we're gonna offer it again is our counselor from our employee assistance program came in and joined us online and facilitated a group for people employees experiencing grief and Mm. Really, certainly I'm not a therapist. I'm not qualified to facilitate that as many other HR people certainly would not be and shouldn't attempt, but really turn to the professionals and open it up to the group to attend. And we had an overwhelming amount of people participate in that. I was surprised. We also had an EAP counselor facilitate two different groups for parents So, you know, there was parents of younger children and then parents of older children, because certainly the challenges can be different. So we did that, really tapped our employee assistance program to have a counselor come in. And that's something, like I said, we will be offering again. So a great question to lead into, like, how do you, as a HR leader, how do you, every year you go through the same process, right? So of putting all the benefits things together, how do you know what they need next or I, now? Am, I am a big fan of anonymous surveys just something as simple as survey monkey really presenting and sometimes people employees don't necessarily know what's out there that's right and so really giving them different options naming those options in the survey describing what those options each mean oh, and, cool. and that's really how we've made most of our decisions here at Treliant. And really ask, we, so for example, the groups example I just shared a moment ago, that was something that we did a survey on for employees. And then that's how we wound up with the two grief specific groups and parent group. Oh, I love that. I I love that. Have you felt any resistance or do you feel like HR has resistance with the rest of the CSAT, especially finance, but the rest of the C-suite around Things like mental health, like we're we're trying to actually help people live better lives. Live, and again, you said earlier, bring your whole self to work. We want them to be happy and healthy and productive. But <laughs> there's been a kind of an 
over indexing on productive without the other stuff. Have you felt, have you either faced or have you seen folks faced kind of some resistance from the rest of the organization? I, I'm fortunate here at Chalion in that I have not, but I have encountered that in the past where I think sometimes there's this idea from C-suite or senior leaders where they think, oh yeah, okay, mental health month, that's great. Let's, you know, let's <laughs> sure, go ahead and do something for the month of May. How many days and, is it? 30, 31, <laughs> done, yes. Exactly, and I think, Yes, yeah, certainly we've had mental health awareness events here at Treliant during the month of May, but it's really something we're talking about year round. So you right. need leadership to understand, hey, it, it would be great if we could all schedule our mental health crisis for May and then we could work around that. But that's it's come on, that's not realistic. I think really you can you got to tie the message back to the bottom line for senior leadership and really point out the dollars and cents. And certainly there's data out there to support that. So everyone's, every one of your friends that's in HR and everyone that's listening is they're on their own journey in terms yeah. of with their company and any of them themselves and kind of what they went through with COVID, et cetera. How do they, like you were giving advice to a friend or a peer how would they audit where they are in their journey? Like, how do they know that they're doing a great job or that there's things that they need to, like building blocks that they need to put in place? Like, where do you, where would you suggest they start? I'm going to definitely go back to the survey and suggest that they do that survey and check in with people, certainly. And then really also, I would say, if you have an employee assistance program, certainly it's confidential they're not going to be able to access who asked, who accessed the AP. But the EAP, if you have an EAP, they're going to track numbers for you that they are going to be willing to share with you on how many employees accessed them, what were the reasons. Let's say it was anxiety, for example, or depression. And get that data from your EAP. If they're not sharing it with you, ask them, how do I access that and that'll give you a barometer as well. It'll tell you how many people are using the AP and what are the reasons for it. And also, if you built, if you're an HR professional and you've sat back, thought about the year ahead, okay, mental May, let's start there. Mental health awareness month. What are we going to do this month? What aspect of the employee assistance program are we going to promote? You can look back on that data and see. Okay, I cut the point across, the access to AP increased, which isn't a bad thing. You want people to use the resources that you're making available. You're going to want to ask your employees. And some employees are very open and will share. I've had employees share on calls, you know, when I called the AP and it was very helpful or they helped me find a specialist for this issue my family was facing. And that's great. So one of the things you, ju- you just said that really made me, it made me think of tying it back to the bottom line and uh, for the rest of the, the board, the rest of the executives, et cetera, because I think they look at benefits, generally speaking, and mental mm-hmm. health tucks in, in somewhere into that as a cost center rather than an investment. And I think this is one of the things that we're trying to change minds around like this, especially with, again, folks that went through COVID, the younger generations, they start here. If you don't have things in place around mental health or well-being or wellness, et cetera, 
then they just won't apply to the job. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's true. So how do you, again, conveying back to the rest of the C-suite that this is an investment in people, not a cost. Of course, money is being spent and we can't have right. all the benefits in, under the sun. We get that. But this is actually going to help us recruit and retain talent. And so it's an investment. I think really I would appeal to them to give HR leaders a chance, give them the give them the money, give them some budget and opportunity mm. to invest, and then the numbers will tell the tell a story. So here at Reliant last year, we had five people voluntarily exit the organization. And which was great that this happened during the great resignation. Five was a number I could certainly live with. And they all left for an opportunity to further their career that we didn't have at Trilion at the time. Just certainly said to them, hey, that's great. Congratulations. Best of luck. Left the door open to them. So I think that that tells the story. Uh, additionally, Trilion recently surveyed our employees for an opportunity to make Inc. Magazine's 2023 list of best places to work. And we made the list. So again, I think that tells the, a story as well. Certainly, we didn't make it the year before. I'll tell you that. We applied. We didn't make it. I wasn't surprised. I didn't think we were ready. We we're still building a platform for our employees and educating them on the resources that were available to them. And that's what we spent the better part of last year doing. And I would also say there are, I've talked to HR people who have said, ugh, I'm only one person. I'm a department of one. I don't have a budget for mental health type things. I would say get creative. There's ways to do meditation session with your employees that don't cost money. Find out what resources are available in your area that support mental health. Is there a social worker school, for example? So there are a lot of ways to do things without a big budget and that you can even try those first. And once you demonstrate the impact it's had on employees, you can really certainly make a good case for those additional. Mm. And so, certain things don't even cost money. Like being a flexible workplace doesn't right. cost money. Right. It's interesting because we're both talking about mental health awareness month. You already went through that and said, yeah, we're doing mental health <laughs> awareness year round. It's nice that it's in May. It's cool. And it got me to thinking about do folks, both employees and executives, do, do we have a standard definition of what mental health is? Like, do you feel <laughs> like when I'm thinking about it, I know where my mind goes, but right. I'm not sure where, where someone else goes with it. And so do you think we need to actually help build some definition around what is, what is mental health? I really do. I think that people don't understand that really you can think of it as a pyramid, right? Like Maslow, you have those basic needs at the bottom, but then as you move up that, think about those other social determinants of health, right? Think about wellness holistically. I think that people, I think you make a great point because I think people still hear mental health, mental well-being, and because of prior stigmas that still exist, we're making progress. I would say that. 
but there are still stigmas that exist around those. I think you have to, as an HR professional, certainly roll things out and you don't really want to like package everything under, oh, it's mental health, but it could be something that you're rolling out to support an employee's personal physical health, for example, or their financial security. And those are two types of things we did this past year. We had a physical well-being move more challenge last month. In February, we had some resources talk about financial well-being. And I think all of those things do come together to make up one's mental well-being. So I think, I don't think such a definition exists, but I would encourage people to really think about it holistically. One of the things you touched on a little bit is with benefits, all benefits, we have to try. So I love how you gather data and then you can right size what you're going to, the array of things you're going to put in front of employees for the next year. Also, there's a try and fail part of this. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Not, all oh, benefits, yes. not all benefits are equal. You nailed that. But also not at least the best intentions. We pick things, we roll them out, we communicate them, we drive track and they don't, it's just, there's not an uptick. There's not as much consumption, et cetera. And that's okay. That's a part yeah. of, that's a part of the bit. Absolutely. And I've certainly done that here at Reliant. I think my first year I put in a platform to support physical well-being and it was a separate platform people had to log on to. No one logged on to it. The contract, I just let it expire and no one said, hey, what happened to that? Because no one was using it. And it's okay, you just introduce something else and try that. When you, there are options available out there to people that they can, can try them without a huge commitment. So like for us, we went to a different platform for a wellness challenge. It was our move more challenge and that one worked. So yeah, I think that's how you learn what's going to work best for your population. Yeah. Yeah. The, the old consumer marketing axiom is more of a B2C axiom. The, the moment that you get to know your customers is the very moment they change. Yes, and true. so true of employees. It's an always it's a fluid relationship. So, last question is going to be a kind of futuristic thing. Where would you, if you had a magic wand, where would you like to see us take mental mental health awareness? I would love it if everybody really, every employer really embraced that and really came to understand what that meant. There's definitely not a one size fits all. So, to your point, you're going to try things; they're not going to work. And that's okay. I think it's continuously checking in with your employee base. And when you survey people, though, it's critical to get back to them. It's critical to share the feedback or they're going to be like, why would I do this? Nothing changed. And even if somebody suggested something and it wouldn't work for the organization right now, tell them that that's still an answer. You're still closing the loop with them. So I would really like it to be an ongoing part of the conversation. And I think the more that employers embrace it rather than resist it, the better off we'll all be. We can come together, share ideas, best practices. And I just think it's just there's we I'm happy with the progress that's been made, but I do feel so much more could be done. Drops mic, walks off stage. Maggie, thank you so much for your time <laughs> and your wisdom. Thank you. <laughs> All righty. And thanks for everyone listening. Until next time.